Welcome. I think we're going to talk about Daniel tonight. Kind of excited about it because Daniel is one of my favorite uh, uh, heroes, really. Not, I was going to say characters, but he's not a character. He's a hero. He's a historical figure that changed history. You know, I have a, a picture of him in, in the lion's den because this is so many people think of Daniel and Daniel in the lion's den. And I, so I started looking through the book of uh, Daniel for a verse to go with that. But then I started to think, I said, no, no, no. Daniel would have known all of the Proverbs. He would have known all the writings of Moses. He would have memorized them. Uh, so I, I thought I'd pick a, a, a verse that I'm sure that he memorized. This is instructions uh, from that Solomon put in the Proverbs. My son, don't forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace will add to you. You know, this is, this is Daniel, and this is exactly what he did. He didn't forget God's teaching. He didn't uh, get rid of the commandments. He kept the commandments. Uh, let your not steadfast love and, and faithfulness forsake you. Uh, bind them around your neck, and that's what he did. He bound uh, the love of God around his neck, his faithfulness. Uh, they were there for him. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So then you'll find good favor and success in the sight of God. You know, we, we often don't read this at the beginning of the next couple of verses, but this is, this is what Daniel found. He found favor and good success in, this, in the sight of God and man. And we'll see that, that, that it was both in the eyes of God and the people that were around him. And then the verse we're all familiar with is what he carried out and he lived his whole life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on our own understanding. Don't trust our wisdom, but turn in all of our ways. Acknowledge God, and he'll make our paths straight. This is, this is Daniel the prophet. I put that there because this is how he lived. This was, this was his guide. This was, this was his Bible at the time that he would have built his life on. And, and oh, <laughs> what a difference it made, not only uh, in his life, and in the Jewish nation, but also in, in, in multiple kingdoms uh, that we're going to talk about as we go along. And his words still impact us today. He's a personal hero of mine. Uh, but for me, it's not just studying a history lesson. It's, it's studying a hero that's bigger than life. And, and it really uh, came and, and proved himself worthy of being called chosen by God. And that's really been our series uh, that we've gone along in, in, in these days. Because he, he does a lot of things. He, he gives prophecies uh, that describes kingdoms that would come throughout the world. From his time through, he predicted kingdoms and let everyone know what was taking And he talks about what's taking place in our time. As we look around, he's, he's got an accurate description of what's happening in the United States and actually in the world also in 2020. So as we start out, that's what we're looking at. He was a prophet. Now, he changed my life, really, because those of you who know me know that I'm not a prophecy nut, but prophecy became the, the objective evidence that was the foundation in my life for becoming a Christian. It was, it was showing a supernatural hand in history that came true. Uh, so Daniel and his prophecies are, are powerful to me. And again, here's, here's God's promise. Uh, he says, does, uh, does disaster come upon a city? 
unless the Lord, and, I, and, and we miss this so much, disaster come upon a city unless the Lord has done it. He either allows or ordains everything that comes into our lives. Very important in 220. We'll talk about that quite a bit specifically in application in our country because we're, we're dead center uh, of some of the prophecies uh, that we're going to talk about. And so he, he says, you know, his, he will tell us what's going to happen. He'll tell his servants, the prophets. And he talks about this, this one that comes up. And this we're going to talk about twice tonight because if it, Christians hear something, and actually non-Christians, I challenge you, check this out. Because here's the sign of the end times that every Christian is commanded to know by Jesus Christ. We're told that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, it will be proclaimed throughout the world. You know, as we're sitting here blasting off uh, this message to my wife and two other people, uh, that's, but other people all over the world are sending out radio waves, they're sending out internet, they're sending out preachers, they're sending out missionaries all around the world. Even in the most hostile of environments, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. China is trying to squish and squash and destroy the Christian church. It's flourishing. Iran is trying to crush the Christian church. There's a revival going in Iran that's taking place right now. But here's what Christians are supposed to know. We're supposed to understand Daniel because there's going to become a time, there's going to become a time when, when we will see something called the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. This is Jesus speaking as he describes the end times that, that many people really think that we're living in right now. And so uh, he says, you're going to see this abomination standing in the most holy place. Here's your command. Here's mine. Let the reader understand. We should be able to open to Matthew 24, where this comes from, or the other, they call them the Olivet Discourse, because it was a, a teaching that was given on the Mount of Olives, Olivet Discourse. Uh, we're commanded to understand this. And so, as we go forward, this is Daniel speaking into our time, telling us to do it. As we look at our natural man-made and, man -made and natural disasters that are all around us, COVID-19, wars, rumors of wars, geopolitical tensions, Russia, China, Iran, terrorism, wildfires, uh, earthquakes, hurricanes. Uh, one other thing, what is this Harecho or something wind that went through the middle, Midwest and wiped out crops with the wind strength of a, of a hurricane? Never heard of one of those, and I'm an old dude. Uh, so never heard of what's taking place. The moral breakdown in Western culture that God has, has, has warned us about is coming upon us. And we look and we see prophecies that God tells us when he's coming, when he's going to judge a nation. We know that, that, that he's going to warn his servants. That's the promise that we're walking in today. Uh, God is still God in all the stuff that's going in the world. He is working out a plan with a purpose and a goal to actually bring as many people as he can into a loving relationship with him so that he might be able to walk with us on this earth and we might be able to spend eternity with him. This is, this is the plan. And, and Daniel's prophecies and times, they remind me that God's still in charge because we've been told this in advance. Matthew 24 is a great one. It's the gospel of the kingdom that's been spread. Huge, huge. Now, 
this prophecy is much more important to the United States than to what's going to happen in November. I, I know we're focusing on November and the politics are ramping up all the way around the, you know, our country and it's, we're just beginning. It's going to get worse. But that's not the big thing. It's not the political party. It's the Jesus world that, that we should be focusing on. So God's eyes are searching and looking and he's looking for people. We've actually said this every week. God's looking for chosen people. We've recommended that series. It's on TV right now. But each week we put this, these verses up. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts are blameless toward him. He's looking for people with hearts. He's looking for the Daniels. He's looking for the Jeremiah's. He's looking for the Esther's. He's looking for those people who will yield his heart to him. And and he chooses us. He goes and looks for us that we might bear fruit. And for Christians, this last verse should be a, over the mantle or somewhere written in our heart that we're recreated, masterpiece, workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, that, that idea of getting up every day and saying, God, what do you have for me today? What am I supposed to be doing? He promises it's there. We're chosen. And so this week we, 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 go, we go in. We're going to be talking about Daniel. But as we do that, I think it's important for us to remember that this calling is to, to the rich, to the poor, to all races, all creeds, all nations, everywhere. Be chosen. Join me in prayer as we get ready to, to look at Daniel. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and our minds Lord, you have a message. You have a message through your prophet. You have a message through your word. Uh, Lord, open our hearts, our minds, our souls, that we might be transformed. I, it's, they're not words. Because your, your spirit, your eyes are moving throughout the world, choosing, changing, educating, and sending people out. So, Lord, let us get ready. As we understand Daniel, let us, let us be the Daniels of our age. So we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Backstory of the book of Daniel. Uh, uh, Daniel was, was in Jerusalem uh, when Jerusalem was overrun. He lived, uh, his whole life was from like uh, 1620 to uh, 538 B.C., uh, over 2,600 years ago. But when the, when the kingdom fell at this time, he was 15 years old. And, and so the uh, chief urchant was told to go out of all the people of Israel, lined them up. This wasn't the college boards. They didn't have to take any of those tests. They didn't look at their high school diplomas or anything. What they did was they lined them up and, and they took from the royal family of nobility, youth without blemish, good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace. This guy was a recruiter. He sent out a talent scout to look for, for business opportunities, look for people who had arts, who had abilities, who had education, who handled themselves well. Because they weren't just going to be serving, they were going to be trained, and then they were going to be in the king's court. And this king, by the way, from Babylon, ruled the known world at that time. So then they were going to teach him the language, and then they would enter into the king's service. 
So as he did that, uh, uh, he had these people that were captured for, from Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of Jews were killed. And they were scattered throughout the world. The city was plundered, the gold, the silver, anything of value was taken. The cups, the lampstands from the temple were all taken. And they were taken to Babylon. And uh, they were chosen, conquered people, taken away, tens of thousands killed. If you just search back and research some of the places where this is taking place in our country, in our, excuse me, our world today, thank God it's not our country Hope that doesn't happen. But look around the world. Look at what's happening with Al-Shabaab. Look at, as they go in and, and take villages and take the Christian girls and, and drag them away at that place. Uh, that, that what was happening back then. This is a big deal. You know, uh, for us to understand personally, this is the question. Why does God allow that? Why does God allow blessings in some countries and and why curses? Why, why, what, is it, what is the deal? You know, we love to sing, God bless America. Asking God to bless us. That's important. Uh, I, I want to be blessed. God blesses me. I want to I be blessed. I, I want everyone to be blessed. But we have to understand what it takes. Daniel actually lays that out pretty clear. You know, uh, he talks about blessings and curses coming on us. Uh, we talked about this you know, in, these, in these verses. Well, here's, the, here's the first one that we said earlier. That God's eyes. God's eyes search throughout the whole world to, to, to strongly support those that are parts are his. So here's the choice. And Deuteronomy 28, and we're coming up to the election, so you might as well ramp up and go read it. If you want to know what's important, who to vote for? How do you know how we're going as a country? It, look at your political conventions. Go right ahead. But you look at what's going on in our country. Deuteronomy 28, okay, written, what was that, over, over 3,000 years ago, 3,400 years ago, tells us how to evaluate a nation. He says, okay, if you want to be blessed, faithfully obey the voice of your God, being careful to do all of his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all the blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Very simple. If. Very important. Conditional. And quite honestly, the United States for a couple hundred years has been totally blessed by God. Wealth beyond anything that has ever been seen in this world. Safety, security. You know, again, up until 9-11, our, our oceans protect us. And again, we've been secure and, and things are going on, but, but we've, God has protected us. And, and we had good food, family stayed together, morality was good. It, it, God took care of us. Uh, that was his promise to do that if we choose to follow him. And, uh, but also the next if we will not obey the voice of the Lord our God, or if we're not careful to obey all of his commandments, if we let immorality, if we forget his statutes, if we do those things, and then we're, we're actually saying, God, we're, we expect curses. And then, sadly, I don't think I need to, to go back and point this out too much, but that's what we see. You know, it, when we follow God, we get good food, we stay out of debt, we win wars, there's peace and security inside the land. 
When, when we don't follow God, we, we lose wars. We got the greatest fighting force in the world. But, but still, we, we, we've been unable to hold territory taken from Korea to uh, the Middle East. Uh, we, we've lost wars. Our debt, a debt is a sure sign of God's blessings or curses. A cursed nation is in debt. That's simple. And as a matter of fact, he goes on to say, uh, if you're being blessed by God, you will lend to other nations. If you're being cursed by God, they will lend to you, and you'll have to respond to them. The analogy is fun, actually. He says, if, if other nations are loaning to you, uh, they'll be the dog and you'll be the tail. Currently in the United States, we're a dog's tail uh, with the debt that we're racking up for other countries. Thanks. I'm sure I'll get some emails on that one. But, but here's the blessings. Here's the curses. If we fall, this is, this is, this is the way it happens because God's eyes are searching to and fro throughout the whole world. Now, here we go. And, and we're going to we're going to be starting to talk about Daniel, Babylon. Why were they in captivity? Because it turned from God. It's really that simple. You know, this is a, a, a slide. I, I don't think it's going to show up. I couldn't get it uh, in there, but maybe, I don't know if it's going to even show up in the video that goes out. Here's a cycle of what happens. And this is every nation. A nation starts out moral, worshiping God, following God. Israel followed this pattern from the, actually starting in the wilderness. That generation died. Then they came in with a new generation. And they worshiped God. They, they claimed the land. They went forward. They received the blessings of God beyond measure. And then once those blessings are there, complacency sets in. We start just kind of going, well, I got that. We're, we're good. We don't really need God so much anymore. And then God starts to be ignored. False worship immorality starts sexual immorality uh law we, we don't care about uh what's true and what's false we start making up our own truth our false gods and often in these cultures they would be sacrificing their kids to false gods so false worship false teaching and then god because he loves us sends discipline and the curses start to take effect and if if that nation continues to go down. He doesn't, God doesn't do that to punish us. He does it to discipline us, to change us, to correct us so that we might come back to him so that we might repent and be restored and go back to worshiping God. And this cycle has happened and will, uh, throughout history, the Jewish nation, many, many times it happened to them as, as that went forth uh, inside that time. And and so as we go and we look at this, this backstory and, and everything that's taking place, uh, we, we want to see why the blessings, why the curses. You know, this is, this is God doing it. The bottom line uh, in all this, if, if we want God to bless the United States, we should be singing America bless God and, and not the other way around uh, as we look at what's taking place in and around us. You know, the fall of Jerusalem in 605 was, was a classic example of everything that, that they had done. They had not obeyed uh, God's words. And this is what, this is the prophet Jeremiah. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jeremiah. He was so accurate and right on in his prophecies in his lifetime. And he gave many prophecies that are applying to our times today. But he says he's talking to the nation of Israel. Because you've not obeyed my words, behold, I'm going to send the tribes of the north. That was Babylon. 
uh, declares the Lord for, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant. God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant, this pagan, brutal king, was God's servant to discipline and correct his people. He'll bring them against this land, against all the surrounding nations. I'll vote them to destruction, horror, hissing, and everlasting desolation. The whole land will become a ruin and waste. And that's exactly what happened. And nations shall serve the king of Babylon. Jeremiah's promise. Huge deal. 70 years. We're not 70 years. We're going to get to that in a minute because Daniel's going to be praying when the end of those 70 years are coming up. Uh, but Israel itself at that time became an eternal waste inside of it. You know, it says, and again, this, this didn't stop there. I, I looked it up, uh, quick Google search. Uh, during its long history, Jerusalem has been attacked 52 times. It's been captured and recaptured 44 times. And it's been just besieged, but not captured 23 times on top of all of that. You know, we, we look at the, the last major destruction of Jerusalem was in 70 AD. You see, when, when Jesus came, the people of Israel had done exactly what God told them not to do. They had rejected true worship. They had become materialistic. The religious leaders taught false doctrine. The people became complacent. Immorality was rampant. There was only a very small group of Christians. And Jesus said, this whole nation is going to fall. Jerusalem is going to fall. Uh, they're going to set up a barricade around you, speaking to Jerusalem. And they're going to hem you in to ground, and, and they'll leave not one stone of the temple. They're talking about the temple upon another. All these huge stones that weighed 20 tons were going to be moved to get the gold out. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jesus was warning them then. And this took place in 70 AD. And that started something very important. We call it the age of the Gentiles. When the Jewish nation ceased to exist, it was the age of the Gentiles. We'll find out the timing and everything else that takes place uh, in our time, or is taking place in our time. So Daniel is coming out of this mess, and now he's in bondage. We're going we're gonna to look at courage in bondage. You know, we, we look in the world today, quite honestly, and uh, again, uh, truth. When I look for courage... I look in the persecuted church. I look out in the world. Well, it, it doesn't take a lot of courage to stand up and do what I'm doing. It doesn't take a lot of courage to, to lead a revival on the beach. It doesn't take a lot of courage to do that. But in the world where your life's on the line and you stand up, that's courage under fire. And that's exactly what Daniel did. You know, when he was first put in, I'm just going to touch these quickly. They're in the book of Daniel. I, I read it, you know, completely true, just getting ready again. Uh, again, multiple times. Uh, but here's, here's what he did. The first thing, when he was taken into captivity, he was supposed to eat the king's food. It was fast food. It probably wasn't even organic. Uh, put it in there with, you know, a lot of bad stuff that the Jews said, I'm not going to eat that. And so he stood up and said, you know, I'm not going to defile myself. And so he, he made an appeal to the, to the guy that, that had in charge of all the, the people. And he said, I'm going to eat this, this, and this. We know what it is. It's called the Daniel Plan. We just had it recommended as a diet uh, here in the United States a couple years ago, swept the nation. But this is courage while in bondage. He wouldn't, he wouldn't bow to the king's suit. He would not, I like that word, he would not defile himself. He resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. 
So he, he got a test going on, and his, his diet trumped the other one. Uh, so next time, courage. Now, remember, it's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had the right of life and death, instant life to people, or pardon them or kill them. So he, anyone that came into his presence, anyone he decided, any group of people that he said, they're going to die. They would send people out to kill them. So uh, kind of an interesting thing. Uh, he had a dream, and the dream obviously came from God, inspired his dream, and he couldn't figure out what it meant. So he got all of his, uh, the Chaldeans and their enchanters and the music, magicians, uh, astrologers, you know, and Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. If you've got some mojo going on in the supernatural, you tell me. Probably mojo isn't the term. But if you, if you are truly wise, you can tell me what my dream is and what it means. And so they all said, we can't do it. And uh, so they were getting ready. They were going to kill this whole group of people that were uh, in the king's uh, court. And Daniel was going to be one of them. And so Daniel heard about this, and he rushes up to the king and says, I'll tell you what it means. It, I, I'll let you know what's going on. And so uh, the king declared Daniel, whose name was Bel Belshazzar, uh, in their name, they renamed him. You're able to make known to me the dream uh, that I've had. You, you can tell me my dream and my interpretation. Daniel looks into this king. He said, hey, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no astrologer can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. Listen, but there is a God. Remember, he's talking to a pagan king who was used to all these false gods, all these false beliefs, and everything else that was going around. And he says, no, no, there's a God that can reveal the mysteries, and he's made known uh, the king's you know, dream to me and what it's going to happen in the latter days. So uh, he, he goes forward and he interprets the dream. He talks about the kingdoms that are going to be ruling on the earth. And so the king is blown away by hearing his dream. And listen, listen, this is a pagan king. And he, he takes a pretty good spanking from God a couple of times. But the king answered and said to Daniel, after he gives him the interpretation, Oh my, truly, your God is the God of gods, Lord of lords, uh, you know, and of the kings and revealer of mysteries. For you've been able to tell me this. Get it. He gives a message, and, and the king buys in, and he recognizes and acknowledges uh, Daniel's God. God keeps after him, keeps going for him. Uh, and again, remember, wealthiest man, most powerful man, no one to ever questioned him. So a while later, he had another dream. And so Daniel comes in, and, and he, says, he says, you know, you got some pride issues, and you're going to be turned into an animal, graze in the field like a cow, and go out in the fields. And he told this to this mighty guy that could kill him. And actually, it's funny that Nebuchadnezzar didn't respond right away. A year later, he's all prowled up, and then there he is, a couple, almost instantly out, eating, eating grass in the fields, hair due the mornings covering him, his, his long fingernails become like claws. It, it's told in some uh, historians said it was Daniel that took care of him when he was done. He still was king because he's still King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but he went, and then at the end of days, this, now this, this comes out of Daniel 4. Daniel 4 is the only book written in the Bible that wasn't written by a Hebrew. It's written 
by King Nebuchadnezzar because he wanted to give his testimony. So he, he talks about everything, end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. He stopped being a cow. And I blessed the Most High and praised him, honored him, uh, who lives forever and his dominion is everlasting. His kingdom endures forever. That's, that's worship back to God. Uh, and here's the thing he says, too. Hey, by the way, the host of heaven among the inhabitants of earth, none can say to this God, the true God, what have you done? God does what God does. And so Daniel interprets twice. Nebuchadnezzar comes to his knees. Later, a, another ruler at this particular time is having a banquet in Babylon. Now, uh, golly, there's so much that can go with this. But it's, uh, he's having a banquet. It's been going on for months and months and months. They're all drunk. They're, they're really uh, having a hearty party. But a hand appears and starts writing on the wall. They, they've excavated, because uh, Babylon was destroyed, they've excavated, excavated what they think is that big banquet hall where this happened. The handwriting was not there, according to archaeologists. But they dug it up, but a hand comes in and writes on the wall. No one can interpret it at that time. Now, Understand this one more thing, please. They were in Babylon. The Medes, the next mighty army that's going to rule the world, is outside. They're marching around the city. They've got the city under siege. Now, Babylon was something like 14 miles square. The walls went up 250 feet. The towers went up to 350 feet. The, the walls at the top were wide enough for seven chariots to race, to race around. This was one hunkin' fort it was almost impregnable uh, up until the 1800s where you could get explosives onto it. And uh, it was said, you know, Dan, they were told, you're going to fall. And, but what happened is they had built the city so they'd have a water supply while under siege over the Euphrates River. It ran right underneath. So the Medes, while this party was going on for months, blocked the river. Water level went. This is the night when Daniel reads the, this message to this leader, and uh, he turns around and, and, he, and he says to him, in, in so many words, you're a loser. You, you know, this is the guy, and there's, could, could kill him and everything else, but he describes and he, he interprets and transmits or trans, translates the writing on the wall, and he says, boy, you've been weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. And I love it when the guy saw the handwriting on the wall. And King James, it says, his knees, out of fear, smote together. And that night, Babylon falls. That kingdom is gone. Medes, and, Medes come in and then ultimately become the Medes and the Persians, uh, going to rule the, the whole known world at that time again. And guess who gets promoted? Daniel comes up during that particular time and also becomes a ruler in that kingdom. As he goes forward, the high officials and, and everything else, he, he was in charge of them. So they didn't like the other, the Medes that were also leaders, they didn't like Daniel because he, uh, there's one word in there too that, that is huge. Because the other leaders wanted to get rid of Daniel. So they said, uh, the other official sat reps and uh, uh, sought for grounds for to complain against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. They didn't like him having all the power. But they could find nothing wrong with Daniel to complain about it or any fault because he was faithful. No error was found. Then these guys said, hey, there's one way we can get him. There's one thing he does. 
is he serves his God. So we'll find him on that. We'll, we'll, we'll hang up that one for him as we go forward. So uh, the king, they, they talked the king into saying, hey, I'm going to uh, sign a decree. If anyone worships any God but me for a month, then they'll throw him in the lion's den. Daniel knew exactly what was taking place. He was aware of it, but he didn't change anything. He didn't go out of his way. To, he didn't do a protest, didn't grab a sign, march downtown. He just did what he normally did every day. The typical worship service of a Jew that, that, that happens three times a day. He just did that. And so they caught him doing it, took him to the king. And the king loved Daniel, but he said, hey, I made the rule. You're in the lion's den. We know the story. Uh, as he went in there. And he, the lions rejected him. And so the king, again, gives worship to God. The king declared, oh, oh to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, uh, has your God whom you serve continuously been able to deliver you? And Daniel says to him, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. And they've not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. And I love that, for I've done no harm. He's innocent. God protects him. It's interesting, didn't put the verse up, but you should read through it because the king knows who set him up for this, throws the other guys that the, the down there, and the lions, before they hit the ground, are snapping and eating and doing them in. Kind of gory, but that's the way that happened. Uh, so it goes forward. The king declared, you know, Daniel's God is the one. And again, one of the things that's, that's interesting, Darius, who followed, uh, that, 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 that was uh, high officials there in that court, but then when Darius was king, he sends this out. Listen to what he does. He sends this out to 120 of the nations or de, you know, departments that they had all around. He wrote, peace be multiplied. I have a decree that in all my royal domain, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Are you ready for that? This, this would be like a, 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 a sovereign ruler getting up in the United States and was able to say, okay, everyone, you've got to worship the God of Daniel. God, it would be great if someone did that. But that's not the way it's going to roll here. But that's what happened back in that day because he had the power to do that. So this is Daniel, courage under fire. We're going to take the next step because Daniel had another power in his life speaking through him like what we call prophecy. I mentioned it earlier. Daniel was a prophet. He, he picked the kingdoms that were going to rule on the earth. He, he described Babylon. He described the Medes, the Persians. And he, he dis described Greece. Now, Greece was just, uh, Athens was the only real city at that particular time, but it was growing uh, back at 505 B.C., 500 B.C., 400 B.C. But then, so the, the Persian Empire was moving out, and they tried to attack Greece. And so Daniel, in his prophecies, pulls out the name of Greece. And, and matter of fact, that pushing, when the Persians attacked there, most of you have heard this, uh, Alexander the Great defeated them. And in, in a short period of time, at 33 years old, Alexander the Great conquers the world. But when he's conquering the world, he comes to Jerusalem. I love this story because he comes there and, and he would, you know, he's the conqueror. You know, Jerusalem, you're going down. Well, he didn't destroy the city. 
the Jewish priest at that time took manuscripts of Daniel's prophecy describing Greece 200 years before winning over the kingdom of the Persians. Well, he was so impressed that he didn't. He, he just went right on at that time. That, that is so huge when things like that take place. You know, prophecy gets it. Now, I'm going to take a minute, and, and there is, uh, there's no way that I, that I can get around this one because it's, it's called the 70-week prophecy. There's so many prophecies in Daniel, but, but I, I'm going to go ahead and, and do this because, again, remember, Daniel was, or Jesus endorsed Daniel as the prophet. So every Christian should understand this. When you see Daniel, and Daniel's prophecy comes out of what's called the 70-week prophecy. And this, we'll, we'll come back to this, but, but Daniel says, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sins of my people, while I was presenting my plea before God and his holy hill, I was speaking in prayer, and Gabriel came and started talking to him. Uh, he made me understand what was taking place from the beginning. Uh, your plans have been in front of God. And he gives them what we call the 70-week prophecy. Now, here, here's a deal. I can't even begin to do this. So I put, by the way, if you, it's in your app. It's on the website. It's on other places. There's a short video clip from a guy named Chuck Missler, who is an excellent, excellent Bible teacher. I've, I've actually listened to him. I'm not going to tell you how long, but it's been over 40 years. And so he's really getting old. Uh, as you go along. So Missler, uh, this is a like a 12-minute video that covers this. But here's what takes place. Uh, 70 weeks, the angel tells Daniel. You got 70 weeks. Jewish people have 70 weeks. Uh, now listen, this is what 70 weeks to do. The decree about your people and your holy city. So it's about Jerusalem too. To finish the transgression. To finish the transgression and to put an end of sin. So at the end of 70 weeks, sin will be set aside. It will be atoned for. And uh, at this time, it will bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and the prophecies, and anoint, anoint the most holy place. This is the time when everything's going to be rolled up to the end. They got 70 weeks. The prophecy goes on by the angel, from the angel. Now, therefore, understand uh, the going out to, from a, from a, excuse me, understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem and the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks and then for 62 weeks, 69 weeks are going to take place. This is, again, please read the video. Look at the video. A decree was put out uh, that said, okay, you can rebuild the temple. That was put out in March 4th, excuse me, 14 March, 445 B.C. And so it said you've got, you got 383 years because when they say weeks, they mean weeks of years. So it's seven times 70. So you end up with 383 years, which is uh, 173, 88 days. You bored yet? Wait a minute. That means on 14 March, it started... And if you add those days, 6 April, 32 A.D. What could have happened? Because at this time, it says the coming of the anointed one. Oh, a prince. Oh, who? that's the day, exact day that Jesus walks into Jerusalem. And it's declared the Messiah, 
on Palm Sunday as they're laying everything down and, and the Pharisees and the leaders got all upset and said, hey, tell them to stop that. Stop calling you the prince. Tell them to stop calling you the Messiah. Famous line. Jesus says, you know, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out because it was prophesied that it had to happen that day. But the prophecy is, is, even, is even better than that. It goes on to say that what's going to happen to him, uh, he's going, I'm going to go, can you go back to the other one? Because there's just one little cool thing in there uh, that he does that. And therefore, to understand from the going out of the, to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, th- this is going to take place. Uh, there will be this period of time. Then listen to that. And the, the prince will come, Jesus will come after 62 weeks, but he will be cut off. The Hebrew root is grat, which is mean he will be executed. Not only describing his entry on the right day, but saying that this Messiah, this prince, will be grat. He will be cut off and executed. Absolutely amazing description of Jesus Christ and his ministry to remove our sins. And so uh, the 70 weeks goes on. Then at the, end of the, at the end of this period of time, 69 weeks, all these things have taken place. This stopped when Jesus was crucified. Now, it, it started, the temple went down, and so uh, the temple is going to be destroyed. Let's go to the next one. I'm sorry, I all whacked out. Uh, but then when, it, when that happens, after that, the people of the prince to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. This is the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It'll come as a flood, and there'll be an end. There be, shall be wars, desolation, or decreed. And now, but at the end, something happens. This, this, there's one week left. We call it the tribulation period, exactly uh, seven years. It's described at sometimes 42 months plus 42 months. It's, it, the actual days are laid out several times in the Bible. So this, 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 someone that, the people that destroyed the city will come like a flood, and there'll be war desolations. And he, this mighty ruler, uh, we call him the Antichrist, will make a covenant with Israel for one week, seven weeks, or seven years, one week. But halfway through that week, he'll put an end to sacrifice offerings and on the wings of abomination. This is what Daniel says we should know. The one who makes desolate, the decree is poured out. So this, this is the end of a 70-week prophecy. And you see, this is what we're looking for. Christ is coming back. I'm, I don't care your eschatology, beginning, end of the seven-year period. I don't care. When he comes, we go. It's going to be better than what we got now. I'm giving you that. Because Christ will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Daniel lays it all out for us. Read the, look at the video, see what it has to say there. Now, here's, here's something that if I had to find the one thing that, I don't like the word endears, like that, like manly. Well, he, I'm, endears Daniel to me. Where I look at him and I go, you really had the right heart. Daniel is praying for his people. He knows because the prophet Daniel says there's only 70 years. So he has started praying, fasting, seeking God. It had been three weeks saying, God, the seven, you know, 70 years are up. What's happening? What's going on? The angel comes. Uh, and, but listen to Daniel's prayer. Daniel says, I turn my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I pray to the Lord, my God, and listen, I made confessions, saying, oh, Lord, 
a great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love to those who love him and keep his commandments. Listen, here it is. We have sinned. Daniel, who was this hero under, hero really under persecution, this lover of God, witness to the, to the emperors and everything else, he says, I've sinned. I am part of the problem that's here. All men sin. He says, we have sinned. We've done wrong. We've acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. <coughs> you know, we have not done what is right in these situations. You know, please listen. We didn't listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name. You know, our fathers, we did these things. I did these things. To you, oh God, belongs righteousness, but open blame to us. This is a humble, repentant prayer. Remember the cycle? It starts out with, with a relationship with God. It, it falls away. It falls away. Tribulation comes, and then there's repentance. This is repentance. This is true repentance that Daniel is calling out to him. You know, uh, all of these things, are t- they're, they're there. You know, it was our treachery that did it. We committed it against you. Now incline your, you know, incline your ear and hear. Open your ears and see our desolation, our city that's by your name. And he says, fix it. But he doesn't say fix it for our sake. He says, fix it for your sake, your name. Fix it for your name. I love this. Uh, Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city, your people who are called by your name, do it for them. Do it for you. Forgive us our sins. You know, application coming out of that, oh, my goodness. First off, if we want to rise up in kingdoms, we want blessings inside of our lives. Please, obey God. That's what Daniel says as he goes forward. Even, you know, here he is in the lion's den. Don't forget my teaching. I won't forget your steadfast love. You know, and all of our, this, this has become my verse as I look forward to the chaos that I think is settling around our country. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Bill, Bill, don't lean on your own understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge God, and he'll make my path straight. Promise to you too. Promise to anyone who's, who's got the courage to be able to pick it up and go forward. That's the promise. And, and don't forget the power of prophecy. God gave us prophecy to show that he's God. Only God can tell the future. And Daniel answered and said, no one can tell the future. No one can. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he's made them known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what's going to happen. So, God is revealing our time. Now, I'm going to do an update. I'm going to cheat so everyone can go wacky, wacky on me. Uh, I'm going to, a book just came out by Cal Thomas, a, someone, friend of mine, good friend of mine, gave it to me. And I said, well, that's strange. So I, I had it laying by my bed and I'm doing Daniels. Let me read it and see what it says. And so it, this book written by uh, Cal Thomas, it, it talks about the rise and fall of empires. Very straightforward. And, and if you see the same cycle, he, he says he's looked at major, major kingdoms throughout the history of the world. He's looked at British kingdom. He looked at uh, the Spanish. He looked at the Romans. He looked at, the, again, the, the, the Medes, the Persians, all of them. Seven, excuse me, 250 years is the average time that they're going to survive as a culture and as a thing. It starts out with pioneers, they're getting it done. They're breaking out. They're, they're pulling themselves together. They've got their acts together. Pioneers. Conquests. They go out and they, they take land. They build up land. Then they, they, 
they use commerce, they build the land, they, they use money, they, 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 they trade, they do things, and there it is, affluence falls. Uh, then intellect, they, they develop their intellectual pursuits, we, and then decadence, decline, and fall. This is the same, and it's interesting, I encourage you to read the book, very telling. I, I powered through it. I was up in the middle of the night going, ho, ho. And so I'm not really thankful. Well, I guess I'm thankful that I got the book, but it cost me a night's sleep. It's the name of the book is America's Expiration Date. And guys, we got one. And it's not going to be determined on what happens in November. That's, that's not what we're going to be looking at. That's not what God's looking at because God looks at our heart. We will get the leadership the Congress, the President, and everything, the state governor, we're going to get what we deserve. And that is going to be based on our relationship with Christ, not our party affiliation. Not how much money we give or, or how much money we have. You know, one of the things, I'm, I'm going to cheat and just have an opportunity to make everyone a little upset with me as we stop. Most people are familiar with the, with the mag, Magna Hats and uh, Make America Great Again. I got an idea. How about make America godly again, and then it will be great. You can't go from where we are to great without godly. We cannot go back. He and this is one of the most quoted verses, misquoted currently, by the way, because they leave out the first part of it. When God has shut up heaven, sent COVID-19, sent destroy, destroying winds, hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, all... The demonstrations, locusts. I had some locusts eat one of my plants. I'm not real happy about that, so just saying. Uh, pestilence among my people. If my people, if we will humble ourselves like Daniel did in the prayer, pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, stop killing babies, stop sexual immorality, stop destroying everything, stop Drawing the Ten Commandments. Stop telling our kids that every truth that's their truth is their truth and no one can tell them they're wrong. You know, being tolerant of evil is not tolerance. It's foolishness. Turn from our wicked ways. Then God can hear, forgive, and heal. Make America godly again. Okay, I can't wait for the emails. Uh, would you pray with me? <laughs> Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, it's so clear that you're the God that that speaks into lives. Your eyes do search to and fro throughout this earth to strongly support those whose, whose lives and hearts are completely yours. And Lord, for followers of Christ, you've recreated us in Christ through grace and mercy so that we might do the things that you called us to do, that we might be witnesses to kings, princes, and paupers to all races, all creeds, you know, all genders, that we can show love and mercy and pronounce the gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins. Thank you that you'll make us brave with courage in challenging times when we speak truth, we're often not popular. Uh, thanks that you'll do that. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.